Hey, it's Neil here. Right now, as you know, we're on a big break with a Vietnam podcast, but I want to keep sharing podcasts with you. And I haven't done one of these in a while. So today I'm going to share with you a podcast, which is one of our episodes back from the archives. This one isn't that old, but I wanted to share it anyway to keep the message out there that there is a war in Ukraine right now. And I want to support my good friend, Anastasia Sokirka. So go in the links in the show notes. You can donate to support Ukraine. Or if you want to book a photo shoot with Anastasia, she's an amazingly talented photographer and she'll be donating all the profits that she makes from photography back to her family and people who need it in Ukraine. So check out this podcast episode of Anastasia's story of how she went back to Ukraine for the first time in years, only five days before the war broke out, and how she was able to flee Ukraine and get back to Vietnam with her mother. But sadly, her dad and her gran are still in Ukraine right now. Enjoy the episode. Thanks. Welcome to Season 8 of Vietnam Podcast. My name is Neil Mackay and I'm your host. I've been living in Vietnam since 2016 and I started this podcast in 2019 to learn more about people connected to Vietnam, both foreigners and locals. I wanted to learn more about their stories and share them with you. Now, my guest today is the first ever repeat guest on a Vietnam podcast. We uh, actually met in government quarantine when we were both fleeing back to Vietnam from overseas. We were coming from Australia and we ended up in the same room in the government quarantine with no bed, no bedding, no mattress, no aircon. And thankfully we got on really well. And over two years later, we're still best of friends. And that was the best thing that happened about quarantine. If you go back to season three, I believe, episode four, I interview Anastasia and my wife, Adri, from quarantine. And you can learn more about that experience. I think that was about day five at the time. But today we're here in even more tragic circumstances, I guess, than being locked up in government quarantine, which pales in significance. So Anastasia is originally from Ukraine and lived in Vietnam now for eight years. She's been in Vietnam. As we all know, with the pandemic, borders have been closed since we met. And thankfully, this year, 2022, they recently reopened. So Anastasia took the opportunity to go back home for the first time in years. She got back to Ukraine and within five days, the war broke out. Anastasia had to flee Ukraine, essentially, with her mother. They were refugees and managed to come back to Vietnam safely. Unfortunately, her dad is still there at the moment and her friends and family so while we're happy that Anastasia and her mum are here, obviously still very sad that the war is going on right now and her family are still there. So today, Anastasia has agreed to join me. She's going to share what happened to her, how she ended up back in Ukraine and went from peacefulness to, to war, how she ended up back in Vietnam, and then also how you can support Ukraine. So Anastasia, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Neil. Thank you for having me. Second occasion is also nothing happy. I don't know why we're doing this podcast every time something yeah, we need <laughs> dramatic. Get, <laughs> we need to get you back on when there's like a yeah a happy occasion. Yeah, but we are happy. We are safe now, so it's more than enough. Yeah, well, I'm very thankful for all that. I, I don't think I've ever been as happy as I've been to see someone this way that I saw you and your mom. When it was my uh, scheduled annual leave, I was planning to go on TED, but unfortunately some 
there was difficulties with the tickets and uh, getting visas because still it's COVID and we have restrictions. So the final date was set up on 18 of February and 19, I arrived to Kharkiv. Uh, Kharkiv is my hometown. I believe everyone now knows this is this town. Like before, when I say I'm from Kharkiv, like, what is... I feel really bad. I know geography of Ukraine. I'm like, oh, the, the Dnipro, yeah, that's there. Yeah, there's Kharkiv, yeah. I never heard Dnipro River from any foreigner, so to be honest, <laughs> this is your best. But yeah, so my hometown is Kharkiv. My parents there, my granny there. And I got my tickets to fly to Ukraine. I arrived home on 19. So that time already, of course, for what, two, three, four months, the world was crazy about the invasion and Russia will attack and the war. But you remember we discussed with you this, that are you not scared to go in a station? And then I told you that uh, Ukrainians, we are reading this news since 2014. It's nothing new for us. And then, yes, we were, it's going to be okay. And this is the same I was telling to my father, to my mom, also to my boyfriend, because every one of them asked me to reconsider and not to come this time. Maybe we, we can meet later, don't worry. It's just, you know, just for safety. And to everyone I said, oh, don't worry. This all like muscle games and blah, blah. And I couldn't agree that it will happen. But honestly, like now I, I realize if I'm thinking how the things were going to happen in that time, I really know that it will happen, but I can't just couldn't believe it will happen right now. So I always knew this this invasion will be happening but i decided to come first because for the reason that if it happened i must to be with my family because that is the more important thing that i have now in my life and i will never forgive myself if i will stay in the safe vietnam so far from home and just the, because we already went through a small war compared to what we have now in 2014 what could happen because I remember what hap was what happened in that time. So I couldn't have a chance to not come and not risking to not lose contact with them, to know what happened with them. Because Kharkiv is a target number one because of the, it's too close to the Russian border. And How many kilometers are you? 70. Like literally they were like, they, the first day they already were 10 kilometers from my home, like my house. They were very quick. So we knew, we, I knew that Kharkiv may be under attack. So it's not that I'm brave or maybe I'm stupid, <laughs> to be honest. But I just knew that I need to be there. And the second reason to go, I also wanted to talk to my family, to particularly my father, with the idea that we may need to buy some property, a small apartment somewhere in the western part of Ukraine. Again, for the reason Kharkiv is a target. But again, I didn't believe it would happen like this February. It was just like a chance. So it will happen. If it happened, at least I'm at home. But of course, it's not going to happen. And we will talk about how we maybe need to some backup plan for our family because all their life is in Kharkiv. Like we have a house, apartment and everything, relatives, whatever. So yeah, and then I arrived and the flight was quite smooth. It was a weird experience to fly the first time in 2000. In the two, since 2020, 2019, I mean, for the long haul flight, I did some domestic flights in Vietnam. It was super weird, but the life and the, the further I was leaving Vietnam and f closer I get into Ukraine, like there was less and less COVID. 
like around me, no mask, no restrictions. Like it was obvious changing. Like when I arrived to Kiev, like I was the one in mask, I think. And yeah, and the first day I spent, like first five days I spent with my family. I took my mom to manicure, pedicure, some beauty thing just to spoil her because she stayed like two years alone at home. It was hard. I also spent time with uh, my family. We went to dinner with granny. I was lucky to have a chance uh, to quick catch up with my two pets just for like one hour uh, each. And we were like uh, planning to... <laughs> we have a lot of time ahead of us because I was... I quick catch up and then we were originally next week. What we're going to do, movie, restaurant. The weather was nice. It was green, sunny, blue sky, peaceful. And it felt some tension in the air, really. So I take even I took a picture and video of the city. We took a walk on the park because there were a lot of construction and repair in the city for the past two years. The hike was beautiful, really, before the war. A lot of a lot of renovations. It was a lot of flowers, trees, parks. We have new zoos. So we went to all that places. I went to my university around the university and some of my the first love thing so we just i took my mom for memory walk we have a nice nice day nice afternoon and then we came back home and the father he keep asking me every evening you should leave <laughs> like that was insane is like you come back home they are all happy you happy but is always the same conversation with the uh, with father and mom you should go you should go you should go and then father told me that maybe you should take mom this time because in youth were they went crazy like on the last when they make this independence bullshit like two days before the war so we already felt dangerous but we never guess a high keeper also father told me no i don't think they will shell in the cities they will do something, but I don't believe they will do also hockey if they cannot touch. Something Something we're guessing, we're talking, because our father wake up very early, 5 a.m., early because of jet lag, <laughs> daily talking. So the day, every the, for the five days, every day started from the talking about this, the planning and the guesses and what ha will happen with father. So we had to make a plan with him that I should maybe talk mom. So we need to talk to company if Vietnam on my rent. But it's like when if we finish <laughs> something like that. Asking for the property to buy and then something on the last weird. And then we went on the bed to the bed on twenty third. And the twenty fourth I had a schedule for my photo shoot for myself. It's just like birthday present. And then I, I woke up like five minutes before five. So the war started in the country, like 5 a.m. Some areas a little bit earlier, but like everyone know knew the war happening is 5 a.m. I woke up like five minutes before that. I don't know why. Maybe the jet lag or maybe father was already downstairs. So some noise I heard. And the five minutes before that, I just like, oh, why so early? I need to keep sleeping. Father wake up. Maybe at least 7 a.m. I can wake up because the jet lag was killing me. I don't like to wake up so early. <laughs> it's still dark outside because it's Ukraine. It's Europe. It's not Vietnam. <laughs> So, and then, yeah, I couldn't sleep. And then 5 a.m. I heard the first explosion. And many people now in Ukraine, the people discussing how, where you've been when the war started, what you're thinking, how, did you understand this is that? Like m many people say, no, I was confused. There's something like some, it's not even like some different, because depend on how far were you from the epicenter, the different sounds. And this is very unusual, obviously, sound to hear in the city. So people like were not confused. They didn't know what is that. I knew from like, the first sound. I don't know how. And in my heart, immediately, that's it. 
that is no gases. And then after the first bombing, a lot of them, like boom. So my window was shaken. And then father, he, it took him maybe 30 seconds to also like realize. And then he started to helicopter the war, the war, we need to do something. And we were shocked. I mean, even you, you were like, you, you were in the front of his front of your mind, but at the same time, you're like, no, no, also it, expecting it. No, it was like, even father, he's like, he's not military guy. He just did his duty in the Soviet time, but he like very much like military movie, army shooting game of. Of that, and then he it's was good. The shooting games can prepare you yes. for war. <laughs> no, but I mean, his brain was, yeah. and then he he watching the news about the war since 2014. He like every day, he know everything was going on. So he even already watching some interviews for people suggesting if war start, what you should do, all the destructions. So he won the, the one who's supposed to know what to do in our family. Like mom, she was like like a child, like big eyes, and told tell me what I need to do. I can't. I can't think. Uh, me, I was more like looking into the father, uh, but more planning stuff. He was more big things, more strategic planning, but no one knew what, what we're going to do. So he said, you need to pack something quickly, some baggage, luggage. I need, I don't know what to do with you. La, la, la. And then he started to call in some friends and checking on granny, wake up, wake up people, because maybe we're the first who hear things. Yeah. So we were packing very random stuff. Like. Uh, l later on, we we will we stayed in our area, and we came back home every single day for a shower or quick refresh or watch news on the TV, and then we also repacked our luggage every day. And every day we couldn't understand who packed this, <laughs> why I need this. That was so messy. Like your brain is it's clear, like you really thinking very clear, but at the same time. You're not clear. You're not thinking properly. Like that is a massive thing. So my, my my task was easy because I already have luggage with me and unpacked. So my Vietnam clothes are just like something I don't need because I was not thinking about Vietnam at that point. We were thinking about the, the winter. So my one is quick, but mom and father, yeah, they were messy packing. And then after we finish, we went downstairs in the living room, switch on a TV. But that time was still too early. But like finished packing, I, I'm sorry, it was like three minutes, like <laughs> like super fast. So we went downstairs, switched on the TV and waiting for any information, any news and still too early for our date. And then maybe 10 minutes later, we saw in the subtitle, the war attack, more updates soon. And they started to share in which cities. So we knew that it's not a Kharkiv, it's like basically every big city uh, in Ukraine and, and father I go, I cannot do any other things and survive alone with a granny at home or before I came. So also that is the reason maybe I think why I made a decision to come. Like I was thinking about the bullshit, like my father, shut up, please. What are you saying? <laughs> but the, some piece of that stayed in my mind. So I knew that I need to be there to at least figure out something for mom and, and granny, because I understand men in this situation, they have totally different and we cannot judge them as a, as, a, as, a, as a woman, like you need to help me, save me. That is so selfish and I respect, I, I understand that is his own decision, that is his uh, own life. So, but he said, I now coughed because you with me, I cannot do what I want. I need first to take you to the safety place, but where is safety, where to go? Because no, we are blind. We don't know which way we go because um, we can go. Because where's the army, Russian or Ukrainian, which is safe, which road is safe to take? So we goes none of it. So we sit at home waiting, waiting, waiting. And then like 
Every 30 minutes, I think there were more bombing and that was super scary. Later on, we get used to that, <laughs> I need to say. But first day, like I was like, like where, where, like where to go? We don't have, a, we have a basement in our house, but it's not safe to hide there because it's like literally under the house. And if the, the, the missiles strike to house or nearby, and if the walls destroy, we will be buried alive there. So that is really uh, the worst place to hide. <clears throat> so we couldn't. And then father keep calling to granny. She woke up. She said, you need to pack and wait. I will pick you up. And then no, no case. But she was like starting to have high pressure. She's like 200 something. And then she started to stress. So we decided not to touch her now. She need to lie down, take pills. And then our neighbor came alone. And then she said that you need to come to my house. My basement is more safe. It more looks like shelter. It's still basement, but um, protected in case if something happened because it have an external entrance, not from the house. So she said, let's go there, stay home, and we will check in and use them. So we went, and then shelling and bombing were everywhere. It not were at our areas, but it was like two to five kilometers from us. It was still too close. I, can't, I just can't imagine. Like, yeah, yeah me too. I mean, I'm sure you couldn't hear it till it happened, and then suddenly... It was like, you can't... And, but you still somehow believe it's not going to hurt you. You don't have that mm -hmm. um, death threat to so close. But when I, I lose my shit, I'm sorry, when there was a jet and I think it flew just over the, our house where we were there and in the basement at the time, because while the wizard neighbor, they went to our house for coffee <laughs> because we, I brought Vietnamese coffee beans and it saved us for seven days because yeah. we have at least five, five minutes every day, normality, coffee from machine, you know, and it was super delicious. And then my mom and another neighbor, they were think uh, at home cook maybe cooking or something and anyway i was in the basement alone and the door was open to the basement because it was very quiet that evening and we don't have any siren and then suddenly i started to hear the noise that we fall and how oh, that sound i literally thought that is like I, because i have no idea what is that i know experience with the war <laughs> so i guess i just a bomb f falling because the sound and it was unbelievable loud so I thought, that's it, I'm, I will die now, any second when... That was really very scary. I sit in the corner of the, the basement. Also the funny thing, because we're in the small society, like five of us, how everyone behave differently. I think this is like psychology, all the uh, rules that were applied to this kind of situation. Like I went quiet, I was just thinking and waiting. Father pretty same as me. Mom, she time to time cried, but she also tried to be quiet. But then on the day four, six, everyone already lose sometimes, not arguing, but emotionally, you can't hold it. And then our neighbors also, one went, ah, fuck it, I will go sleep at home. <laughs> and I don't want it's okay. <laughs> In the news and she was super stressed, super scared. And then she was so happy she cried when that was our jet that felt like because they already started to use jet for attacking the residence area. So about the, how the things went from the day first, we stay to sleep at the basement. All day was super long. We can't get many news. We can't know what is happening with our army. Are they standing? Are they alive? Or what happened? We just saw that bullshit that Putin said on his TV to his people and that they will be strategic military object targeting. And on the first day, Maybe that was the case, because what we knew that first bombing we heard, it was all that uh, military warehouse or airport. 
which were empty because we knew they will come. Now, now we know. That time we didn't know. But the Ukrainian very smart, so <laughs> I need to. I need to. I love uh, <laughs> all my people very much, especially now. Always, but now I admire them. So they they was empty. All that almost all military object they attack on the first night they were fake kind of. They were never. They were, they didn't use it for a long time. But Russian didn't know, so that our army had a chance to reply and defense. And then on the second day, I think we already started to get updates. That things are not so bad in terms of our defense and that we got this high I, I i don't have any it's like similar maybe to when you watch the football and your team is winning or something that kind of tension but it's so close to death life so it's more sharp emotions so we were like so high like whenever we get any news and then and the first day was what, like 800, we claimed that 800 Russian soldiers already died. And we were like, whoa, that time. So, but we were like really up and down, up and down, but mostly up. And that positive and energy and happy was really one thing that helped us to get along with all the situation. But do you want to eat? We didn't eat. We just drink water. I drank first day, I don't know how many liters, maybe seven. Like I was dry immediately, that stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, also, funny thing about stress, the everyone almost like nine from ten people we call, first hours after the bombing, everyone doing the same toilet. Really? Your body relax everything, really? so we can't stop going to toilet. Not water. I mean other thing. Number another number. Everyone, my granny, my best friends, my neighbors, <laughs> like even man. That doesn't matter. So there was a toilet paper shortage, but not because of. COVID. No, it's like stress. Like, really, is um, but you can't really control it. It's like you want water and toilet. That is for the first hour what we did <laughs> was checking the news. I would have been drinking vodka nonstop. No, that is no. The the my parents, my father and neighbor, they touched uh, alcohol first time maybe on the day three and four. Mm. But again, because we can't eat, because we don't hungry, so they just smell similar to Vietnamese people. Because we drink vodka quite normal, easy. That is like r- routine drink for dinner. <laughs> so they're not so easy to get drunk, but because maybe food in the stomach, yeah, one one shot and they already were happy. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> and then mom and the, the another that they were fighting and complaining because of, ah, we are need, you need to protect us, but you're now so comfortable because they're just relaxing like TV and the bombing somewhere, of, you know, background. Mm-hmm. And we are losing shit and running downstairs, upstairs watching the news. That's our boys shooting, don't worry. <laughs> It was crazy. And I first thought it's okay. But then when one time I was on the street because we were uh, walking from our home to our neighbor house because it's just same small street. And then they started shooting. So I heard the noise from not inside, not in the basement, but being outside. I stay in the basement most all over the time. <laughs> that was really enough. You just, it's like you, you become animal, you know, you just want to run, hide. And then we were lucky to observe on the thing, it was day third, when people from Chechnya, they tried to came inside the city, a few groups, because they had their strategy, they thought they can win Kharkiv. So there were city battles, and we were lucky because we are kind of on the hill, and we can't see, but we hurdled, like AK, bomb, scenes like barbecue, I'm sorry, it's, it's evil, it's no good to say, but it was already day four, we really, we have no emotion, just hate, angry. So we were sitting like on the barbecues, chairs like that, and watching the, the fire. 
because that we knew that our army they destroyed the building where they were hiding all day they were trying to fight they were hiding in the school at night later they say they came at night they make a base in the school they put all their weapons bullets all that at school so in the morning when other groups came they should supposed to come to that and they should be their center that is how they was were planning to win the haku kind of so all the day our people our army and territory army they were fighting and we were like just listening but it was very comfortable noise i really need to say because we knew what happened and then very late evening i mean like 6 7 p.m. they destroyed our army destroyed the city no choice and there was huge explosion and fire we were just watching that barbecue yeah the the pictures was terrible and you in how in some way you you can enjoy pictures of your enemy like that i i'm i'm a girl i sh i never see my alive dead body really never even some relative i never been on funeral even and just in the movie something you saw the same i've never seen a dead body yeah so but your enemy no head, no legs, whatever. You can watch alone. And you saw that, like, with your own eyes? On the phone. I mean, on the screen. I mean, if I see in my my own life, maybe I lose control. But yeah. on the picture, on the screen, you can watch it alone. You're, like, not enjoying, but kind of you want to know how they died. Mm. You, I don't understand how, why. Because we're all humans. It all makes sense if they're, someone's attacking you. Yeah, you're, you're yeah but you don't know them. And you don't think they are families, they are mothers. You don't have that sympathy. This is actually terrible because this is not supposed to happen in in 2022. And you discover new about yourself also that you can be that person. Mm. So, yeah, and the hockey was under, like the residence area started to be under attack on the day second. And we live, I told you, very near to that uh, residential area called South Divka. That is the largest, I think, in hockey. That is uh, before the war, 500 or 600 residents living in that residence area. It was built in 1960s, 1970s. All the same buildings, no military objects, like schools, hospitals, supermarkets. So they all start to shoot in that uh, residence. And we start started to understand that, wow, that is going to be... We knew about Russian, that thing, because we had 2014. But we never could believe that there will be that much evil to... Especially Kharkiv, there is their Soviet city, what they say. They come to rescue, liberate us. We are all Russian. So we already started to feel dangerous. And everyone we know who have at least some military connection, everyone said to us, you should stay and don't go anywhere at least for one week or so on 10 days. It is the, the phase number one. It's dangerous to go. At home is the most safe. And all, our army also said that is. You must stay in the shelter, hiding. If you don't have a basement or shelter nearby you, you go to the subway because that is the very important for survival, for civilian. And then after seven or 10 days, they will be more clear and they, they will pass how to live, which way is safe, which is not. And my father, as I told you, he wanted to go army. So we didn't know that, but he did. He tried to, he called, they, they called to the office. They want to come. But the officer, we have too many people want to come. Like it was, yeah, the all Ukraine, even the, the Ukrainian who live overseas like me, we have for now, I think more than 200,000 men come back. That is uh, unbelievable. So they say we have a lot of people who want to join. Now we are actually have even like filter. We only taking those who have a real experience or know how to do with gun. You are 
55 year old guy thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> but go home <laughs> we will call you oh, don't call us we will call you yeah. don't come here we got your details that's that's what he got the best way you can do they give you the, the ak and you stuck in the um, like the office the head office the headquarters of the city but you're not allowed to leave so that is also not the option for us because he still don't know what how he do with us mm. So then he started to volunteer. There is a, he has a friend who been volunteer since 2014. His connection with the um, organization Reliable, another organization that people have organized everything. And they say, we need a people with the cars because many people left on the first day in the panic. And obviously also city have no gas, no petrol, because all the gas stations were empty on the first hour. But uh, if you do have anything in your tank and if you have SUV, at least, not sedan. Then we need your help. So they started to go in out every day. But the, the the job was like, you take something from one address and drop it on another address, including to army. And that, so they feel, I think for them, for men, it's really important. They all started to do this, all their friends, they were volunteer. Most of them still there in Kharkiv and they're doing this every day. So that is very important thing. So he found something to do. And the thing they were delivery also very important, something for heating or food, medications. And after that, when army don't need, because army start to get also supplies more centralized, they help into the people to evacuate them or something delivery. But for our case, father only did it for a few days. And then on the day six, the bombing already were very close to us. They destroyed my university. They destroyed our headquarter, like city hall, the old city center, the one that is not Soviet. It's a very old, like the, the oldest part of the Haki, Opera House, all that. And the, the bomb was so close to us already. Father started to say, we need thinking how we take you out. And then the, we knew there is a railway station. Every day, people evacuation happening. I think you saw the footage of the people on the railway station. Yeah, and I, and I was just going to add as well. I mean, so you're going into way more detail than I knew about. But for anyone listening, so... Myself and Adri were in constant communication with you, which we were so grateful that there was still communication and we couldn't believe that. Like when like we would have been besides ourselves if the like mobile communications had gone down. So you were kind of giving us updates throughout this and then we were just glued to the news, you know, like just CNN on basically twenty four hours a day. And and from a purely selfish point of view, I mean, I was looking and I'm like, I can't believe I know someone in a war zone right now. Obviously my concern was for you, but at the same time I'm like, this is insane, you know, your whole life there's been wars going on. It's not online show. It's really live. Yeah, I'm like right now my friend is messaging me with from the basement and and, and whatnot. So you had to ask her then at what point did you realise, okay, we need to leave. I, decision. I was not ready to leave. I don't know. Maybe that is... is you. you would have stayed longer. You No, you, you can't take the decision. Mm. On some point, because the shelter is somehow safe. I think there is a psychology explanation for that. Because we were like, like we are not adult. Like we are five years old kids. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can't make decision mm. to leave or stay. You want someone to say to you what to do. So mom and me were yeah, like looking yeah. at the father. And father is so hard. I really, I, after that, I said, sorry, no, we understand that is our psychology, but we couldn't make decision. He was convincing us to go and we say, no, 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 we can't, we can't, we're scared. How we go railway station? What if they bomb it? Mm. 
because they already have attack on the bus. You see, and you put us on there and you leave and how? And we don't know. We also had discussions with mom when we were alone. How will we trick father to go? How we do it? Because uh, he keeps telling that he's staying, but uh, we knew he's, he need, we, we don't, we, we can't. So mom also, how we, we should lie to him something. We should not tell him that uh, he will go back. And then when he will be with us on the way, we will try to convince him, something like that. And I told my mom that you do whatever you, you want. This is your man, but you should be ready. He can leave. That we try, I promise we try, but you must be ready and you must you find peace with that that he has right to decide not to come mm -hmm. or come back. And also, so your, your father's 55, yeah. and from like day one, they were like, you can't leave Ukraine if you're under yeah. 60, right? And me was under 60. So he, there was never an option for him to, to leave the country, but you could leave Kharkiv, right? I was not even thinking about Vietnam at that point. Mm. That, that all live things in the 5 a.m. disappeared. I don't care anything in that time. My plans, where I go, my work, salary. Yeah, of course, <laughs> none of that becomes all nothing. You only thinking what I need in the basement. The, 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 you can't plan it for next day even. So yeah, father started to like talking to us about you leaving. You guys leaving. You leaving on the day five, I think. And we were like, no, 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 because the, the option that he offered us, we were still not. It's not the picky, but we really. The options that he gave to us was like me and mom only and no God know how, where. And again, we're sitting in the basement all the time. Even we have internet, we have no idea what happened in the big world. So in my imagination, they go everywhere. So if we go in out from the basement, this is the only safety area you have, like dark corner. So we like, no, 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 we cannot, we cannot. And then someone said to him that many people and you still every day living by car. And lucky father had guests to enough to drive us to 200, 300 kilometers from the city to another town, the big one. So he said, okay, I drive you there and then I come back. And then we're like, mm, okay, we tried to convince him on the way. That was our schedule. And then on the last day, there was already clear that Vietnam will take my mom. Mm. They confirmed. And then say, I said to father, father, actually they say we take all of you, granny, mom, and father can't leave. Granny say, what? So it's only me and mom. And I said to father, this is option. How do you think? And so we do, we go and we have some friend who got his wife transferred to Poland border and then he, she's already in Poland. So he know the way how to do. So he had another uh, wife and kid of our friend that uh, he need to go to Poland border. So they ask whether that day your girls coming or not, because I'll drive them there. And then father say yes, but then the, the, the husband of that wife who the, the friend is driving, he's staying in Kharkiv. He's sending his wife and child with his friend. So he called my father and said, can you go with him? I don't trust him. I mean, he he will lose shit on the way. He will, I mean, I'm not believing he's a safe. My, my women, my woman and daughter in a safe with him. I need you to pay. Can you please? Because you have your own. Don't let them go without uh, attention. Because he, that guy is, a, he was not, it's not his fault. He first week he stayed in the basement, like in the epicenter. So in the in the basement, the, the, like mentally unstable. He already broken. Right. No, he not he's stable, but he he already potentially, potentially yes, because the <laughs> location where they were hiding in his home, in the basement, the bombing was so close. Mm. So even all the pickles and all all things that you keep in the basement, all the glasses they fall down. One mm. bomb and everything fall down yeah. on him. So he 
the level. I mean, I mean the, you measure it by the level of noise and uh, shaking. Mm. So our, our case, it was still like not the fireworks, of course, but not like somebody falling from the shell. Mm. So he was there. So he really got lost yeah. already. So he's super scared. So that's why he's a drone who driving and he happy to go. <laughs> like right, right, yeah, right. he can't stay. Um, Did you say drunk driving? No, no, not drunk. Happy to go. He doesn't. He doesn't want to stay. I thought you said he was drunk driving. I think almost drunk, but for the other alcohol, not the real one. Yeah. So, and anyway, that friend asked my father. I suggest you go with your 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 women, and then you come back. Something like that. And father said, "Okay, I go. I drive you to west to Lviv, and then from Lviv you will have someone to transfer you to the Poland border, and then in Poland you figure out mm -hmm. something like that." So we we were thinking that as a scenario possible on the day six, and on the day seven, finally father convinced my granny because she was still in her apartment in the Saltivka region, which is very close to Bon, to convince her. She agreed to come to our house. I remember the time you were messaging like granny won't leave her apartment. She's on the 11th floor. 11th floor. Because everyone's just staying and they have gas, electricity, power, so I feel like normal. It's also, I think they're the same. I told you that your home is a safe. Mm. And we still have it now in the Donbass area where we have now second phase. Mm. And our government asking urgent people leave. Mm. Don't stay. You saw Butcher and other things. But people, they are not easy to give up. Which, I mean, you see the same in like natural disasters, like hurricanes and tornadoes. They're like, leave your yeah. house. There's a hurricane coming. They're like, no. I'll just stay here, which I like that still blows your mind. I right? think you just, uh, maybe that's similar to what we feel in the shelter. You just can't make the decision mm. that you're so scared that you are not ready to leave your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes sense. And you find many reason and explanation for that. So that's why it's important to have someone who can drag you yeah. and like put you in the safe. Yeah. So father was nearby already to drag granny, but finally in the morning she called and said, you know, maybe yes, are you ready? But I'm not going to basement. No. I will be in your home, okay? In the house. Our house is full of glasses and the windows. That is the really... <clears throat> but better, better, because it's a little bit far from the epicenter. And not the 11th floor. No, the 11th floor. <laughs> yeah, so he took her home and then one hour later in her area there was shelling and the windows, uh, she lost the windows and balcony. I didn't know that. Yeah, in her apartment, just like one hour after. Wow. That was like so lucky. And that, that, that bomb, it's just one kilometer from our home. It's super close. And we already know people. We call them and they don't pick up the phone. I mean, I'm looking out the window, like I can see a kilometer away. Yeah. You see the smoke. And we have a friend, my godfather, godmother, they live in that area. We're calling them, they don't pick up the phone. No no reception. So we already were very shitty. Sorry if I can use this word. Uh, we're very scared. And then finally they all pick up the phone because they're in the school base when there is a shelter in the, re in the district. So everyone was safe, but most of them no no windows in that in that apartments. And then father already feel like we need to go. That moving already to us. And there's no logic. They didn't. They're not just moving, just randomly. And we don't have. We asking, do we have any infrastructure, help nearby? And then mom say yes, we have that. We have a market, and it's not public information. So there is some help for uh, some communication things. So they may target that, and they did it a few days later. That was a very big uh, shelling when we already were not in Kharkiv. So yeah, we, we actually not much safe here. 
And then a friend of father called him and said, hey, I just left the city. This road is safe. Go now, if you want. And then already were 2 p.m. and we have court phase. So that is like 6 p.m. that time. So literally we have a few hours to, 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 to go and reach to the other city. And we took decision like in five minutes. Like, like in the middle, you don't have time to think. So you're just like, yes, and then we go. And then we come home. We are packing what we packed already, which after that we find out we didn't pack anything for father. <laughs> like he, we packed something, but nothing important. So we need to shop in for him after we arrive to the Western city. <laughs> We're shopping for him for survival socks yeah. underwear, all that we didn't take. But mom take her and I perfume, makeup, <laughs> all important for survival. Oh my God, that was uh, really, uh, you, your brain's just not thinking more than like one second ahead of you. And then we came home and Granny cooking borscht for us, you know, at home. And then said, Granny, you take your, your bags, we live in living. And then she was like, no, we were ready for with that. We before blackmailing her, begging her, crying her, we already like, aggressively talking to her father already say if you die i don't care or all that words we try to use to make her feel emotional and it's a little bit soft and break so we can catch that moment and take her no doesn't work old people many old people stay in like that in Kharkiv and in the countryside villages towns it just not ready they are can't understand why they are going to die wherever it is so um, now or later so they they say like that so we, we, yeah, that was very heartbroken and I feel very guilty since then till now, not only for that, for many, for many reasons. I think that is nature also for this kind of situation for victims and refugees. We feel guilty and shamed. We left and we are safe, but others not, but that is your personal matter. So anyway, we, 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 we left and father drive us empty city. The first time saw city not from the basement and the news. And it looks normal. The, 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 I mean, the, the road that father took out, there were no bombing there. Mm. So it looks my half keep same. But then I saw 10, another tank, and then all asphalt roads destroyed because of tank is too heavy. And that all roads were just rebuilt like last full three years. So all that uh, destroyed. Tank, 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 then checkpoint, checkpoint. And on every checkpoint, we need to slow down, open the window, show our face, the passport, because there are a lot of spies and betrayal. Mm. They're catching every day till now. And we have two, two women. If father alone, they will stop him asking, checking. But we, we understand we are family. So another checkpoint. And, and on the last checkpoint, that was the, the most sharp, guilty uh, moment for me. Still now, I can that is very painful. Even in some way, different painful, maybe more painful than the family that we not together. On the last checkpoint, there was the guy, soldier, and then we opened the windows, we show our passports, and then we are leaving, like we are running away, like rats from the ship. That's what I feel, like I'm red, running. And then the guy, he's so young, I know, 20, 30s, He's so strong, handsome, and then he smiled to us, looked at me, and he said, "Good luck, drive safe." And that—that that is, uh, I that time, first time, I felt like my eyes wet. <laughs> I didn't cry, but that time, I almost I feel so, I I I can't talk to him because my parents here. I cannot say anything to make him worry about my condition. But in my heart, I was like, 
I I was begging for forgiveness and I'm sorry I'm leaving. I can't help anyway. I can't do anything. As a, I'm not a soldier. What I can do is only volunteer or this kind of job. But the first thing is safety for your own family and people. That is at least you can. I can't do, but I felt so terrible. He is staying. He's smiling. He's brave. He's going to die. Most probably then. I mean, he had a lot of chances to die. I hope not, of course. And then that was very painful, very difficult. And then we drove. It was crazy. No, we father say I have like literally five kilometers more and then I have no gas. And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I get nervous in, in Saigon when my gas is at red and on my motorbike and there's gas on every corner. And, I'm and like, then oh, in the oh. field and the war anymore. <laughs> and all this uh, car in the same condition. But also one thing about this kind of stress. Our nation, we we known for fighting with each other in the peaceful time. We're always political, whatever. We kind of like uh, tension all the time. Our relationship, no, no much like each other. I mean, in daily life, kind of competition thing. But this situation, we are totally changed. We all united so on the road. No, we got also the driving style of Ukrainian is very um, wild. And oh, really? I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> and then if somebody make mistake, believe me, they will tell you that. Right, right. <laughs> Even sometimes show you that. <laughs> so, th but that was super stress. Everyone stuck. I think everyone have the same issue: no gas and no supply. Don't know where to go. But everyone patient, waiting. Mm -hmm. Please go. Please. If, if somebody broken, if they stuck, even someone like there was a lot of trucks already started delivering humanitarian help aid. So if they see that, like before in normal life, you see ambulance, mm -hmm. you try to give your third way. This time was for all every truck humanitarian aid or whatever, because it's food supply going yeah. from one city to another. Everyone just give the way to, for the trucks. No one complain, nothing. So we made it up by end of the day and by end of the, starting the cafe to Dnipro is another town, also very large one. And we have a relatives there. So we stayed there for one night. And then from that moment, seven days later, I got to Warsaw. Mm. Well, I was going to say, I remember at this point when you got to Dnipro, you shared this app with us that we could track where Nasta was and where she was going on the map. And it was, it was crazy just to watch. And we were checking and we're like, oh, she's here now. She's here. Oh, she's not moved. Okay. And I, I do remember there was quite a funny bit. You were driving and he even showed you the speed you were driving at. And I think it was like a hundred kilometers an hour. And I was like, don't drive too fast. You're going too fast. And then there was another one. It was like nine kilometers. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, the traffic jam everywhere. <laughs> we literally did like 200 kilometers a day. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Wow. There was so long line of cars with dogs, cats, kids. It was so... But it was not yet the, the most terrible thing I saw. The most terrible thing I thought was on the border to Ukraine, Poland. That was, I feel like I'm in the movie. But the movie that I, we watch in like Schindler List or something. Like the one that you see and thinking... Why human doing this to to each other? That 20th century was so wild and cruel. Thanks God we are another generation. We live in another time. We already know all these things, right? We learned. Mm -hmm. No, that is, and this is a, my people. It's not movie or news. That is my people. And I saw people on the wheelchair, a lot of kids, all kids. And then the border difficult to, to cross. It was a long queue. 
we spent only on the border 25 hours, but we already were on the bus. We separated with father in Ternopil. We a little bit changed our plan because we found that from Ternopil there is a bus to Zeszów, that is uh, Poland already. So we can cross the border by a bus and no need to worry who will pick, pick us up or we just get to the Zeszów. And then I found from my friend in London, she have someone in Poland. This is how everything works. You have someone, someone, someone. So kind people in Poland, they said that we will deliver, deliver you. You just need to arrive to Warsaw. Uh, and then from Warsaw, we will drive you to your home where we stay for the, the past next month. So your border was insane. 25 hours in the bus, very cold. Toilets, no toilets, only the gas station and you need to queue. And you can't go even on the like bush because this, this is um, already border, is already all clean. <laughs> they, they, before they have some forest there. But they already clean it. So we were like, okay, we're not drinking water. Because <laughs> you really don't know where to go. Yeah. For kids it's easy, but for the adults it's a little bit. But at that point already, your father also told us when we were, we were driving from Kharkiv to Ternopil for five days. And then he already told us that, okay, you forget all that things. You can't show your butt on the street. Okay, You will going to show it because there is no toilet on yeah, the road. Yeah. So no looking for any comfortable, don't wait. You want, you do now. There is no time. This is the war. Mm -hmm. And then everything we ask in something different condition, something uncomfortable, unusual for you, there will be always same answer. This is a war. Mm -hmm. This is the war. This is unbelievable that you, you hear this. So we, we made it through the border. We arrived to, oh, also the border, it was from Ukrainian side, it was massive. I don't know how many thousands of people were there. But they were in the car, in the, on the bus, and the worst is pedestrian. So the, we were sitting in the bus, at least were warm mm. for 25 hours, but the, the women, mostly women and kids and older, they were standing in minus that time five to 10 for also same time as us. Mm. That, that is heartbreaking and you can't help them because the bus already full, though they have already all the, the jackets and oh, it's really refugees. You, you see there is refugee people. Mm. On the bus, you still like travel. But that one is refugee, but a lot of volunteers, a lot of hot food. So they are, because the village is around, people just cooking a lot of food, hot sandwiches and soup or borscht, something, and they hot tea, coffee, and they free of charge, they just give it to everyone. So that was helping a lot. And then when we made it through the border in Poland, it also was touching because when you finish with passport control, the first, the passport condition, they didn't care. You don't need, because we have ID card, we have the passport that you can travel overseas. And we also have old style passport that you, even in Ukraine, we try to get rid of this. It's still applicable, uh, but it's not suitable for overseas. And mostly all old people or from the countryside people, they carry those. And Poland say, whatever document you have, you, you will go good to go. No need COVID, uh, that whole thing was canceled. No question asked, nobody asking you anything. You just come, welcome. So when we made it with the passport, there was another room where you're waiting for all from your bus, because it is how they do on the on the road. You're waiting for all of the bus people to finish and board in control, so they'd have some room. And they set up Poland volunteers, it's Polish volunteers, they set up coffee, sandwiches, snacks. And then there was a guy, officer, also a very young boy. He was holding the box with the chocolate candies, and he gave it to every single child he saw. And our language is very similar, we understand Polish, Ukrainian. And then he, he learned even some Ukrainian word and he say something, don't cry. And then approach you 
and then he's like, uh, take it, please. Here you. I was. No, th there is. You lost. You you can't believe in humanity anymore because you know what they do in your country. The other people, how they do, what they do. It is not just our, they don't understand. It's not our news who make fake into your stories. We talk to people. You can't hide in the truth from the people. So we sharing. We know what they say, what they do, how they behave. So no humanity there. They it's like it's like war into in the 15th century, you know. And then you on the other side, you regain all this belief in humans when you meet the Poland and the support of Europe Union also as well. There is a it's like up down up down. This crazy roller coaster free like all the picture of your of the world mm -hmm. in your mind were destroyed and then rebuilt again. So and anyway, we arrived to the railway station in the city, not Warsaw, that was Rzeszów. And immediately there were tons of volunteers, tons of volunteers wearing the jackets. And you just show a little bit confused face, like which way I should go. Mm -hmm. Immediately they take you, oh, please, please come, come. And then they have a warm food. If you need any, some shampoo, soap, eating, drinking, this is here you are. So what is your plan? Do you know where you're going? If you know, there is not one way. If you don't know, don't worry, we take you. And all are very patient, very comfortable, they hug you. I was like holding myself. I was like looking good. <laughs> like I was just trying to be strong for mom. Mom was like that. She was uh, not strong. So they were hugging her and talking to her. And then, anyway, we get it. And they say, okay, give me your passport. I get you a train ticket because it's free at the time. I think now it's the same. And I say, no, can I do it myself? I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I can speak English or even I can speak Ukrainian. We understand each other. Yeah. Please, I can do. And then, okay, at least take the SIM card free <laughs> and they were okay thank you we need some card and they make already special package like Vina phone that special ukrainian package where you have a few gigabytes of internet and most important you have like 500 or 700 minutes to call into ukrainian number free of charge no roaming yeah also ukrainian and our mobile operator once we cross the border they gave us also same mm. you always see free you use so that was uh, very helpful Really, like businesses thinking about that thing is unbelievable, like really very important. So we got our tickets and then we had to wait for six, seven hours for our train. Even it was 5 a.m., but it was too, too early. And I said, don't worry, you, need, you don't need to stay here. We take you to the shelter. We have some place you can rest. You can take a nap, maybe eat and shower or something. And they took us to the shelter, something looking like the COVID hospital. I guess it may be used as a COVID hospital before. So a lot of bed, bench beds, more like a camp. Yeah. A lot of kids, a lot of women, dogs, cats. <laughs> it's so cute. Like everyone take their pets with them. And the, also the pet, the, the pet behave like, like he know, she, or she knows what to do. She like, no, make any problem. Very patiently waiting with her owner or his owner, eat owner. So yeah, and we spend a few hours. So we just take a quick nap on the floor on the bench. And then they have also warm food, all that. And then they took, we, I was on the mask all the time because I still had no COVID. And then when we arrived at the shelter, there was like, I think Ukrainian guy who lived a long time in Poland, he'd look at me, there is no COVID anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I know, I, mean, I know, but I feel like I, so many people, but no one wearing masks. That is COVID finished. We, we find the best medicine and not the vegan vaccine, the best med medicine against COVID. <laughs> 5 a.m., first bomb. 
with COVID. Yeah, priorities <laughs> change. Right? Finish, really. I still carry mask. Yeah. With me, Korean one that is like a KF94, like N95 in, in America. So I still carry them with me and I wearing them in the bus. I, I, I wore them on the bus and mom, but it didn't help. We got COVID, which we found out later when we arrived to Warsaw. So I, I talking to my father, he said, Pak, you think in your destiny, you get the worst in war and then pandemic, the virus, you got it also. And then mom also, she fall down on the, on the bus station and then she heard her, her teeth and face. So when we wake up one morning, her face were all like nice. <laughs> like, so she like, you like literally running away from the war and you got also virus. So we couldn't get uh, to Vietnam so soon. We were stuck. In, but it was okay. I mean, yeah, that delayed your departure. I remember messaging, oh, you, you were leaving in like two days. And then you were like, nope, we're not leaving. We just got COVID. So now we got to wait till when they get it. Yeah, yeah. That was. Which is just like an ultimate kick in the teeth, right? Yeah. Like. But we, we took time to like find a peace, not find a peace of mind because it's impossible right now. But uh, at least we could sleep without bombing. And then the first week, most me and my radio okay. came. I'm still have it when she hear a track. Some noise similar a little bit to that, mm-hmm. it triggering you. That uh, I you are like first second trigger, and then yeah, you understand. Okay, there mm-hmm. is nothing, but still triggering you. Well, how is it here in Vietnam? Because I know where you live, there's lots of trucks and obviously generally traffic and lots of noise. How is how so are you and your we, mom doing? Yeah, now? when we in a part, I'm okay. Yeah, I think my. I figure out this, thanks to this situation, I figure out that I'm quite strong mentally and uh, very good control myself. Mom, she not so easy with uh, traffic outside, okay. Mm-hmm. But when we at home and then when, because I live in, in District 7, there are a lot coming there. So if the truck have, if it's loaded, I think with some product. No, it's a lot. I mean, I've lived in D7 yeah. and I know that street. Yeah, so and the boom, boom. a lot of big trucks go through there. I can't, I don't hear it anymore. You've zoned out now. Yeah, You've been in Vietnam too long now. Yeah, You're yeah. proper Vietnamese if you zone Maybe. out noise. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I already know how to switch off yeah. my ears. <laughs> uh, yeah, but mom, she's like, what is that? What is that? But she also, like, it's one second and then you will understand. Yeah. Or if she was at home when I was in office, she stayed alone home. And there was a fire alarm in apartment. But it is normal because I think the smoke detector too sensitive. Mm-hmm. And even I a few times already caused uh, the fire alarm because of smoking, the cooking something. I've, I've done it here as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've had the guards at the door because I burnt some popcorn. And I was like, I'm stumped. Like, you popcorn as well? No, I was doing this rice chips, Vietnamese rice right. chips with shrimp. And I put not enough oil. <laughs> so the security came, saw my burnt chips, look at me, take a picture. I think they laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I told to my mom before that story and I said to her, like every two weeks, I think someone cooking and the fire alarm will broke. Don't, don't, that is normal. I didn't tell her, don't worry. I was telling her that is a funny story. Right. But because she already knew, but she said, first few seconds, I was like, yeah, they're like siren or something. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. But then she's like, ah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks God I told her. You know, if yeah, I didn't, if you hadn't, yeah. if I hadn't, what she would think about how she do? She very now create broken and vulnerable and sensitive for many reasons. She very used to Vietnam. She been here far, like long before I came. Like she was in two thousand two. She very familiar. She never have any problem now. She feel insecure and stress, and I need to push her go out try go to the supermarket and then she's like okay i will try to find the way yeah and then 
Yeah, she's really uh, lost. She want to go home. I promise her that I, I also believe that. I know that we will come back home. Just for now, we need to be safe. Yeah. And also because we have a job here, this is also to support father yeah. and granny. So for, for my family now, our mom is me with me here. My granny is in Kharkiv, in, still in our home. Not in the basement. She going every night now. To oh, she is? Uh, okay. Yeah, because it's not easy. Yeah. So we're happy she a little bit gave up that point. We every day keep asking her. We have many chances to take her out, bus, people, train. Every day, if somebody leaving, call father and asking because they know. She still say, no, don't ask me. So I try not to argue with her with that. I want to be a comfortable person. Yeah. And the father, live with his father. Yeah, leave with it. Yeah, like yeah. bad cop and good cop. So she's, yeah, she's at home. Kragev is still under shelling every day. A uh, few times it was very near to our house. And that time she was really worrying. She now sleep at the basement. At least this is, we can but every day every moment you check in the news mm. and every morning i check in granny how are you uh and father he is in the uh, western part of ukraine he got some job there some simple like few hundred dollar only but just to do something to help uh, to that is job but, but he's no longer in cocky no no he but he did his job but he helping refugees that the camp mm. uh, the hotel where the hosting refugees from also our cities yeah so he's a driver, work as a driver there. We're very happy with his mom that he changed his mind and he doesn't want to come back to Kharkiv. I mean, he won't, mm. but he, he understand that if he come back, he will be just target. Yeah. You just, you can't go to army, they don't take you. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of volunteers now and also not so many things he can help, uh, only as a driver maybe, but if he do come back, it basically you just waiting when the bomb will come. Yeah. And we he said, I can't be a victim. I, I, I don't want to be a victim. I want to see we win, something yeah. like that. So he's staying there. Luckily, we have uh, some mom friends who agreed to host him, to, to allow him to live with them. So he is also hard time because that job is not easy. He'll drive in some truck mm -hmm. and it's like old Soviet one. They don't have ABS, so he every day have a shoulder and oh, back no. pain. <laughs> but work hard, busy, yeah. but at least doing something and just waiting for this to be finished. I don't want to think about, like my father, 55 years. I'm young, I'm 30, I can do many things in my life. I can change my life like many times if I want. I have all the time. But in their lifetime, they went through terrible Soviet occupation. Even they didn't realize it was occupation, we know now. But they were never supporting to that government. And they can't, they didn't know they support or not support, but they never be happy fully. They understood something. And then they went through 1991 and 1990s, where no money and they worked so hard. And that house where in Kharkiv that we have, that is my father, second baby. He worked so hard. He got it when he was 40 something. That was like his milestone. Like in the middle age uh, crisis, that was his safe boat kind of. He achieved that one. And that is also our heritage because at land he grew up on that. And that was before house of my grand, great grandparents there. So that all I working for that, screwed my mom and him together. And my, any moment it can be vanished, destroyed. And no, then we don't know how to get because 55 is, uh, in Ukraine, that is already the age 
you're thinking about like old mm. they they think in themselves we already old so how to live how to survive so now i have more headache and thoughts on my head what should i do how can i after after we win how how to figure out definitely come back home mm. i already make myself decision once it's possible and safe to take my mom and me i finish my vietnam expert life and i want to be home i i never wanted go home as much as i want now I, I live here eight years, as we said, and every year I came home for annual leave and happy one, two weeks and then finish, no, you know, tired. Mm -hmm. That we have many reasons in Ukraine before. I wanna, yeah, that is, I can't find my place. I couldn't find my place in, in Kharkiv, especially for many reasons. And then this time, like I wanted to stay and crossing the border was very difficult. Mm -hmm. Like when I started to support and Polish flag and all that. And yeah, that was too hard. Also one of the two emotional points. I don't know why I'm not so emotional with the family. One of that soldier on the checkpoint and another one, we were on the plane leaving the Warsaw to Doha. I already were like dark night, everyone's sleeping. I couldn't sleep. And you know, when you board, board on the plane, you don't want to watch movie. You just switch the map, right? To see where you are. And then I switched the map and they saw Ukraine. That that the time it just because we were we were flying just on the left, like the mm. uh, Turkey side, and the, the map opened to Ukraine, and I see like my plane, and every second it's more and more, and I understood that, God, this is can be like, I don't know when I will be seeing this opposite direction, you know, when I will be approaching my land, that was also second emotional, little bit wet my eyes, I don't know why. I'm not, I may be too patriotic that rather than for family thing. <laughs> like my family, I worry and I stress, but I can't show my emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these kind of things, like I can't, I couldn't like control. But you could tell your emotions though. You're very strong. You're very stoic. Yeah, but these th symbolic things I think that's breaking me. Sense. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story with me. I, I obviously have, have lived through a little bit, but I really do appreciate hearing it from you thank you for sharing it with our listeners as well sorry it was a little bit messy i have no list of no that's plan what should i say afterward no no so so first of all for anyone who doesn't know anastasia is an incredible photographer you've you've been to many of my events i've got some incredible pictures from you and so i appreciate that and you do amazing portraits of people so if you are interested in booking anastasia as a photographer go check out the link in the notes for the podcast because it, uh, there will be a link there and you're you're giving all the money you make from photography right now to Ukraine as well, which is amazing. I've got you booked for an event coming up. We had you at an event last week, so we're, we're able to support Ukraine that way. But also as well, we really do want people not to forget about the war in Ukraine. It's been 56 days now today. And as Anastasia has been pointing out on social media, it's really easy to forget about it, even for myself, because you're home and you're safe. Uh, it's not finished, but it's, but also there's only so much bandwidth you can put to, to, to this. Yeah, you just can, right? But unfortunately for you, you can't switch off because your people are there. But we don't want people to forget about it. It's still going on and Ukrainian people still need support as well. And so if you want to talk a little bit, just briefly about the support that's still needed. And then we'll also put a link in the notes for the podcast episode so people can donate as well. So if you want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, definitely I want. So the Ukraine needs help. 
But a part of the arm and military help that our government finally get access to, that is uh, less government and big boys dealing with. It's a personal decision for everyone to support army or no. But the most important also is humans and refugees. And also people who stay in, in Ukraine, like my granny is okay, but also a lot of people who have no family to help them. There are a lot of organization in Ukraine and overseas who coordinating help and volunteering for delivery, whatever things needed. I share with you the link who is a list of trustworthy organization for different charities, both Ukrainian and international. I would urge to avoid donating to large international funding like Red Cross or UN because that money will come not immediately to the people. Prefer preferred would be small organization of people on the ground who doing, who knowing what they need, so they will be doing it faster. But do check if it's reliable or not fake, because unfortunately humans are still human. But the, list, the link I will share yeah. is reliable and there are a lot of different ways you can find how to do, to send money. It can be bank transfer, it can be your credit card or it even PayPal, crypto, crypto also. Radio, oh, I saw radio, that, yeah, you um, can donate with crypto. I was like, wow, 2022. <laughs> Yeah, so for, for me personally, what I do is, yes, as you said, I donation, I donate 100% of income that people pay for photography if uh, I have the photography job time to time. Uh, I try also to, yesterday, for example, I found it very cute and handy. One of the, my favorite coffee shop in Kharkiv, they already open operation, but they're not serving on site. It's mostly for delivery. And mostly what they're doing is they're not making coffee. They're not filtering anything. They just have a bean. So they are selling beans if you have a coffee machine at home. So what the initiative they have is you can pay, you can buy on the website coffee, like a, or one cup or coffee bag. And one, one bag is 10 cups of filter coffee. You can pay, you can buy online if you one bag, one cup, whatever you want, how much it doesn't matter. You pay, and then they next morning they delivery to army hot coffee because in high they, they they support. So I yesterday bought like for the I thought twenty guys to this morning will have nice coffee. But this kind of thing you help in myself firstly. Yeah, I need to say that to help me to go through that guilt and shame. I still don't know. I maybe need help in the future with that but it also important that small things but for refugees is like what seven million ukrainian refugees now in europe and the world and yet world helping them but for example one thing when we were running away it was late february early march it was still winter in minus 10 something but now you can easily recognize if you're watching from europe where you see ukrainian refugees around you easily can recognize them because they were in too warm clothes. Mm -hmm. Maybe now already changed, but when we were in Poland, we were one of that. You can easily see people from Poland and Ukrainian refugees, because a lot of Ukrainian live in Poland before the war. But you can see because we all wear in winter clothes, but even you, it's already warm. So this kind of stuff, all this organization helping to get clothes, food for the kids. Kids is the most. There's a lot of orphans right now, a lot, and post medication. So it's both to in people in Ukraine, to people overseas, refugees. You can find the organization that suits most of you. you. Maybe you want to help in medication or just kids or humanitarian or army as well. For example, I also support trying to support a change in like occasion, like this today might go this way and mm -hmm. this way. So one of the organization I also support is they call Return Alive or Come Back Home Alive. They're not government one, but they approved by government, they, co they cooperate with the army. 
but they're not buying them any weapon thing because it is of course illegal. What they do buy for them is something to save their life, like the bulletproof things mm -hmm. and some glasses and helmets, cars, clothes, all that thing, something to help them survive because still we have too many people want to go on me, but not enough. It's like everything is just too crazy and too yeah. soon. So planning is not ideal. So yeah, I will appreciate if you will take your time, go to the link, read about opportunities and chances uh, and places where and how you can donate. Find if you feel you want to help, please do. Ukraine, we will win. We we can we are strong. I think not in the world. No one believe otherwise right now. Even we, we're not sure. Everyone, I mean, not hundred percent. But we still need some help for our people who not as lucky, for example, as I am. Yes. All right. Amazing. Well, thank you. And please check out the link. Please give what you can. Anastasia, thank you so much for doing this. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life to yeah, see someone. I'm so glad you got back. And uh, to finish just on an amusing point, that app that you shared that we could track you with, so that's still active. And I get notifications when your phone battery is dying. I keep meaning to turn it off. I get a notification saying your phone is at like 10% battery. And I keep meaning to message you and be like, charge your phone now. Do I need to delete that app? I don't actually follow your whereabouts, but I don't think your whereabouts are very... To delete that mom. Yeah, I actually keep it for mom. Yeah. Just in case in Vietnam, I can track her. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, you should remove. I'm going to do that now. All right, thank you so much and have an amazing day. And I hope your mom settles into Vietnam. I hope your dad stays safe and your, your granny as well. We will. Thanks for listening to this episode of a Vietnam podcast by 7 Million Bites. We hope you enjoy hearing our guest stories. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much to Lewis Wright who made the 7 Million Bikes music and continues to support us in every way. Also to our audio engineer, Luke Digweed, for making sure each episode sounds amazing for you. Also, a big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community. Thank you so much. It's amazing to get to know you guys. It's amazing to see how much we're growing. And I look forward to seeing you at our next event. You can join the community today. The link is in the description of the show. You'll get free tickets to 7 Million Bikes events, episodes before anyone else, and extra special bonus content only for you, and invites to special member-only events. You will also obviously be providing massive support so that we can keep sharing people's stories with you on a Vietnam podcast. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember, we have seven seasons of stories to share with you. So check them out if you haven't already, and we hope you can listen to future episodes too so you can laugh, connect, and discover. Cheers.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.